0: i bought nice it sounds good
1: yeah yeah it's really great for podcasting um i got it for like twenty dollars <laughs> it's the best twenty dollars i've ever spent for sure
0: <laughs> i imagine so seems to be working out well for you
1: yes uh thank you for joining me for the first live stream of the podcast thomas are we don't uh... judge
0: why thank you we're live now huh
1: yeah we are live all uh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, all all two hundred something people from my profile can see you. I'm I'm assuming you have some kind no of link way. on yours.
0: <laughs> Hi. Um <laughs> I've actually so a fun fact, this is actually the first time I've ever done this live before. So oh, I uh, okay. I'm excited about this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We went over all our sketches, and we're going to figure out, you know, Mm -hmm. which ones work with the audience and which ones. (laughs) No, No, this is the first time I've ever done a live recording of anything. So uh, the fact that we made. Yeah, the fact that we made it in, you know, with only 5 minutes late, that's a that's an accomplishment for me.
0: I think that is that is certainly an accomplishment. You know, technical <laughs> difficulties are just a part of the technical part of uh of doing this stuff. So, yeah, yeah
1: and uh I've kind of relaxed a little bit on some of my faux pas because like I. I was listening to an episode of how did this get played the other day and they had a streamer on there and his, his advice to give to anybody was just, you know, deal, let the mistakes happen and let people deal with the mistakes (laughs) because they don't like when they see like actual, like real professional stuff that takes hundreds of people to do, then they don't ever see mistakes, you know? and his his mm-hmm. advice was that people actually like seeing these mistakes here a little bit, you know because it shows them that they're dealing with an actual person and they're not dealing with like a crazy conglomerate that has hundreds of people yep. you know making sure nothing bad ever happens. <laughs>
0: No crazy conglomerate, no script, thank goodness, because I would never be able to memorize it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd never be able to memorize anything, and I don't have time to memorize it at the moment. Yeah,
0: that's a valid, valid point as well, so I get that.
1: <laughs> have you had a good day, Thomas?
0: It was a productive day, very productive day. Went I uh, went to my day job and knocked out some projects there. Did some, uh, some more research this morning on some film festival stuff that I'm doing next week. And, um, tonight I'll be, um, I'm pretty sure I'll be watching another, uh, um, film festival movie ahead of the festival so that I can get some content out and, and have it all timed for, uh, for publication when the movie screens at the film festival. So yeah, I I'm realizing this week how productive I I have to stay in order to be on top yeah. of everything I need to do. Um, but you know, it just, uh, it, there's certainly a sense of accomplishment when all this stuff gets done. Um, and uh, a sense of enjoyment that I get out of it, which is why I do it. Um, but, uh, as much as I enjoy the process, I'm also looking forward to the end result. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel that sometimes Uh, What's uh, what's the festival you got coming up next week?
0: Yeah, so I am covering the Toronto International Film Festival um, remotely this year So I'll be covering it from where I'm based, north of Seattle Um, And uh, so that means that I'll be watching a bunch of um, movies uh, from the festival um, Writing a bunch of reviews and content Doing some some video uh, content as well um, and hopefully connecting with people and collaborating with people, um, and uh, and uh, getting in on some uh, um, uh, industry leader talks. Um, I'm actually very very honored um, and uh, and happy to have been accepted in the uh, media uh, inclusion initiative that the Toronto International Film Festival yeah. is uh, is conducting. And so it's, uh, yeah, a really big honor to be a part of that. Uh, 45 uh, up-and-coming minority journalists were chosen to be a part of this um, program in order to um, help amplify minority voices um, in, uh, in press and journal- journalism uh, coverage of the festival. And so uh, I was one of those. And uh, and a huge thank you and shout out to Tiff for accepting me into that. And I'm looking forward to capitalizing on it. So.
1: Yeah, hey, yeah. congratulations. Um, any, right. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a big thing. I'm really happy for you, buddy. Uh, you're, yeah, I appreciate <laughs> you're,
0: that. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, you got anything you're looking forward to at that uh, festival in particular? Yeah.
0: Yes, a bunch of things I'm looking forward to. More First, why than you tell us to... what you're drinking? Oh, so this is actually a uh, custom blend of local whiskeys. Oh. Um, it's a blend of, uh, there's three, three distilleries in this. Um, I know one is Ula, another is dry fly, and then there's a the third one I can't remember. But anyway, a custom blend. I just had a bunch of, uh, local whiskeys and threw them together. This, um, this particular blend is particularly spicy because, um, the dry fly component of it is, uh, is cask strength. So oh. um, that means it's really strong. Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, but
0: this is this is certainly it's it's a sipping thing. You don't you don't want to shoot this.
1: <laughs> so, no, no. All whiskey, all uh, whiskey should be sipping whiskey. Am I right?
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Great. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Yeah, um, actually, great. this would have been a this would have been a, a good one to actually have added ice to, but I didn't think about it. So on the next glass, maybe on the next glass.
1: <laughs> okay let's get to the movies you're excited for buddy
0: you know there's a few and i actually i do have a video coming out um here in the next week or so uh, that comprehensively goes over well maybe not comprehensively but definitely covers a lot uh, of the films that i am looking forward to um really there's um when i watch or at least when i'm um doing my research on like what films are playing at a film festival what typically captures my attention is the cast i'm just very much more familiar with casting and, and actors um than I am with like uh, uh directors which is something I'm getting better at I'm learning more about directors as I go through uh, these film festivals and uh and get to talk with directors um but I look at the cast and there's a few um movies that have incredible casts um that I'm excited about um let's see one of which is called Encounter um, and it stars Riz Ahmed who hey. I Yeah, I that guy
1: the only good part of that fucking venom movie dude like (laughs) oh my god dude (laughs) that's a great way of putting it yeah i mean i
0: i I did not particularly care for venom but uh riz ahmed is is a fantastic actor and of course most people probably know him from venom um where he had that role but he has also um made waves in the film festival and indie film uh circuit with movies like mogul Mowgli. And uh and oh yeah, uh, Sound, that's Mogul yeah. Mowgli and Sound of Metal, um, both of which are films that I like. I, I enjoyed Mogul Mowgli, but Sound of Metal was one of my favorite movies of, of last year. Um, so when his name pops up in a project, I am checking it out. Uh I really like the projects he's uh he's chosen and picked up. Um and so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does here. In fact, actually, let me uh let me go and get this because I, I remember reading the synopsis and it sounds pretty interesting uh it's called uh, encounter the mogul mowgli no i'm sorry for encounter the movie that's coming up oh, in okay, uh,
1: next week. i wrote a good review um, of mogul Mowgli. oh
0: nice yeah uh, i yeah. have to go read it i haven't uh i i meant to write a review on it but just never ended up getting around to it i did write a review on sound of metal though um But Encounter says uh, a decorated Marine who is played by Riz Ahmed goes on a rescue mission to save two young sons from an inhumane threat. Uh, Sorry, inhuman threat uh, in the latest from director Michael Pierce. Uh, Michael Pierce uh, looks like he has. Oh yeah, that's right. Cause he, he directed this movie called beast, uh, which was his debut feature. And so this is his sophomore film. Um, I heard. Yeah, I heard. Um, mixed things about beasts um if i'm not mistaken jesse buckley is is in that one as well and i love jesse buckley um and so yeah a lot lots of i don't know lots of nice connections here um and so anyway this one just it really stood out to me and is one of the movies that i'm really really excited to see
1: yeah. Uh, sorry if I was a little bit harsh to any of the cash and crew uh, from Venom who might be out there <laughs> listening. I'm sure there aren't too many of you, but either way, uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's, you are- doing what you needed to do uh, i appreciate the <laughs> hour and a half of my life that i lost <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> it, we, hopefully hopefully the the second venom will uh will make up some ground <laughs>
1: and, yeah the woody harrelson's yeah, and that is carnage man. so i think that'll be at least interesting yes. um, you
0: know what so when yeah, when it comes to movies, I think what separates, particularly in the superhero uh, realm, what separates a good movie from a really great movie is is a great villain. Um, totally. I think yeah. that when you have a villain who has um, motive and objectives that are at least understandable, even if they're not agreeable, that they're understandable, yeah. um, that's something that I absolutely... Um, cling to in in a great movie you know and i think that that's one of the reasons i like the avengers movies so much because you think of thanos and and his objective is well he wants to kill half of all of existence but you know the the idea is so that Life is more prosperous for the people that survive, and yeah, obviously we don't agree with that right. genocide's not a great solution for anything, no, but you see kind of where he's going with it, right and so I think that that's what made that whole infinity um arc of of avengers so um captivating is this this um villain who has good intentions but just a really bad execution plan for it,
1: <laughs> yeah, when you uh, compare that to a villain like um Uh, Oscar Isaacs I can't I think I think the name of his character is just Apocalypse and X-Men Apocalypse like that character is barely sketched out at all and like they cover Oscar Isaacs in this like crazy makeup and it, it just wastes him as an actor and it wastes the opportunity the movie has to use him as a villain and, you know, what he does when he gets to do it is good, but it still seems, like, crazy to me that they just wasted this brilliant actor on a, like, very thinly sketched villain. And then they spent so much time oh. doing all this stuff with Magneto when, like, all all the stuff that he does in the movie could be taken out, and you'd have a stronger movie. And we already know who Magneto is. We've already been seeing mm-hmm. all these movies that tells us what Magneto is as a person, so we don't need to keep going over and over the same stuff with Magneto. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you when uh, oh, you say that these superhero Apocalypse. movies can live and die by their villain. Definitely, uh, yeah.
0: X Men Apocalypse was so forgettable; I actually forgot that was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that did happen, didn't it?"
1: Yeah, I really thought yeah. that
0: was just a bad dream
1: i know th- i know like <laughs> the X-Men a lot of movies though uh, well i know like uh some of the x-men movies are kind of being shunted out of the public consciousness due to brian singer yes. but at the same time i think there's a lot of good stuff in the x-men movies but yeah apocalypse is just it just feels like th- dead weight like it doesn't add anything more to the x-men continuity or do anything more with it yeah <laughs>
0: I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but um, I separate the X-Men movies into two categories. There's the good ones, and then there's the X-Men babies. Um, (laughs) And I... (laughs) I think... I think... with the exception of the last stand which was retconned uh thanks to days of futures past um but oh with God. the exception of the last stand the, yes right the uh, the original cast of the x-men are just the i think the perfect embodiment of of what i would have liked out of the x-men uh team um it was just a really great uh set of cast and a really good picking of the characters uh and and they they really did such a good job establishing in that first x-men movie what an ensemble uh superhero film should look like and that's yeah. been the blueprint of ensemble films ever since so um, you know, I, I have a lot of respect, uh, and, and movie history respect for X-Men for, uh, setting that, um, uh, setting that standard for every movie, every ensemble movie after that to follow. Um, but then they came out, then, then there's the X-Men babies, like let's reboot it, but not really. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and those movies, which include apocalypse just seem so cash grab um and it's unfortunate because um which one was the one before days of future past there was the oh, uh, expert, um, well, first, class. first yeah which, so there was first class I, yeah um which if you liked it cool i tolerated it <laughs> um
1: <Huh. laughs> i just Minimal. don't
0: think there was anything yeah i don't yeah. think there's anything really special about it but um, but then uh, Days of Future Past happens where they would say, "Oof, people like the original X-Men, let's bring those guys back. And they did. And it was amazing. It was a fantastic yeah. ensemble teaming up with an ensemble. <laughs> Uh, uh, kind of dynamic, uh, and so that was fantastic, and it was a really good opportunity to like change the course of X Men and correct all the wrongs and really fix things. And unfortunately, X Men babies just slumped right back into this really kind of like we just want to make money off of this property, uh, kind of phase, and not really tell any compelling stories. I think so.
1: I'll tell you what, first class me. did better than Apocalypse. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> <laughs> uh first class didn't make the same mistake as apocalypse they have a great villain in first class uh kevin bacon as a hell hellfire awesome awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he's a guy yeah. that i think i guess yeah go ahead please yeah what were you gonna say no i guess
0: that that was a no that's a good point kevin bacon was was decent i don't know if he's there are other villains that i think are a little bit more memorable but i don't remember him being bad so i'd have to go back and rewatch it and and somehow rank where i put uh put villains at he certainly isn't nearly as bad as apocalypse
1: (laughs) yeah uh, it's been a long time since i watched first class and uh when I saw it originally, I think I was like 18. It's been the better part of 10 or 11 years since I saw it in the theater. I don't th- I don't know how many times I've watched it since then, but I remember me and my buddy like really enjoying it overall. But yeah, like it definitely didn't like apocalypse didn't really do with days of futures past while I wanted it to. And another thing about these X-Men movies, they don't, they don't know how to use scott summers at all like they don't know how to use cyclops at all like he's just a blank like throughout every one of these fucking movies and he's one of the most uh, like major parts of the x-men mythology and that's a a massive (laughs) frustration he's he's almost
0: exclusively there just to have something for for wolverine to contend against because he i mean He's, as far as the plot goes, you could remove him, and without that 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 uh, Cyclops Wolverine tension, you know he, the the movies would pretty much be the same. He doesn't actually really do a whole lot, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh, I guess we can lead this into uh, the film we were kind of planning on talking about a little more specifically. Oh, nice, a little bit of
0: a Hugh Jackman transition
1: yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) we always seem to circle back around to Hugh Jackman somehow when we talk yes we do
0: yeah don't know why but it happens
1: (laughs) uh did did you enjoy reminiscence Mm. you can take a Mm. long sip if you like take a long sip right
0: I didn't not enjoy reminiscence I think I enjoyed the idea of reminiscence, but I think it was a little bit too melodramatic for me. Um, I think that I didn't get the motivation of um, Hugh Jackman's character all that much. Uh, so I, I kind of struggled to kind of figure out what his obsession was with this, with this chick um, that he's like stalking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who ultimately, I mean, I guess I, I, this is a spoiler conversation and people must have seen uh Remnants um, it
1: by now it, we can we can are be we, Are you cool going spoiler? into spoilers or not i guess since we're it's, we're just going to say there will be spoilers in case anyone wants to tune out so badly i don't think it mm-hmm. kills the movie to, i can like, it, it's okay it.
0: i can i can be less spoilery i will i'm turning okay. on No
1: spoiler. Suffice uh, to say, the the girl he's enamored with does not make it out well overall. Yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, way to work around that a little bit.
0: It is, but it just—it's so cliche in how it delivers that love story, Um, if you want to call it that. I guess because ultimately it is, but for the majority of the movie, it isn't. Um, and I just, I couldn't figure out why he was so attached to her. And then I couldn't figure out why we're dragging out whether she is as attached to him or not. Was it, was it her, um, uh, you know, what did she actually love him? Was it all a a fake? Was she just trying to get information or just trying to like, you know, uh, scam him or whatever right like i think that it was um it was a little bit too drawn out and i wish that there had been a more creative conclusion and maybe even a more creative setup for this uh for this concept
1: yeah um i will say like i didn't necessarily think it was the most revolutionary film by any measure but i did I, th- I thought it played very well with the noir tropes it was going for and did. we didn't get a whole bunch we didn't get too much sci-fi gobbledygook weighing right. down the story it's like you know exactly what the the technology is supposed to do and how the technology functions in the story and everything around it and like the setting of it being this dystopia where earth has basically been flooded completely by rainwaters. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like that was a good way to create like a tension in, in the characters overall. Like everyone has to deal with the the problems this is creating. So people are, you know, constantly responding to this all the time in this world. And they could have made Mm -hmm. it a little like, better in that way like they could have shown that a little better but overall i was pretty okay with it i felt there was like some dialogue towards the end that was like sketch dialogue you know mm. it's like the type of dialogue you put in because you gotta finish the screenplay and that yeah, didn't really like, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah that didn't give give ahead, nicholas
0: please. sparks his lines back
1: okay <laughs> 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 but even then it didn't really dull my uh my enjoyment because i just took it all as melodrama like it's playing with neo-noir tropes to such a degree mm-hmm. that you just kind of have to buy into that because that's what you're that's what you're being sold you know you're being sold a neo-noir you know sci-fi film so i i felt okay with that um I would definitely say that I didn't have a problem with Jackman's motivations because it, it lines out that essentially he's this loner type that never does anything to really have like chaos in his life or love in his life. And he's always playing safe bets. Like he specifically says at one point, like I don't do things that cause bad outcomes or something like that. And yeah, I, I think like part of his obsession is that when she came into his life, he began acting different from who he was as a person originally, and it mm-hmm. propelled him further into this you know dream state and then like trying to figure out what happened to her specifically. Yeah, once he fi- gets himself a little bit out of the fog of memory, but he's still mm-hmm. like <laughs> putting himself through the paces trying to find anything that will like lead him back to this person who just disappeared on him. <laughs> yeah
0: like anything it's so funny there was a part in the movie where he so he's searching for her and he's trying to figure things out and his partner is like man you need to come off of this and i'm thinking yeah. man you really need to come off of this and so he you know he's kind of hit a a stall in his case and then he goes on a on a day um uh, on a day job and and looks into a memory and then finds her and he goes oh and his partner goes uh And I go, (laughs) oh, like, oh, no, well, we know what this means. Like, obviously, he's going to be very fixated on her and not the job at hand and what's going on. Right. So so that's funny. But I feel I got the sense watching this movie that who's the director who who wrote this? I don't know. Someone a part of this production just like put together a bunch of other movies to make this one like obviously we're talking new and uh neo noir and so that noir kind of setting is there and i mean honestly the world building is nice i like the neo-noir setting in the world that's been built i I do appreciate the world building but you take you know typical neo-noir or typical noir uh tropes and then you pair them with um the greatest showman and
1: uh and inception um yeah you're not factoring a blade runner into that at all blade
0: runner aha that's another blade runner right just all yeah. these different like there's a like I, I guess i didn't get a whole lot of originality out of this movie like every time he gives his his little spiel before they go into the dream state all i could see is leonardo dicaprio um oh, setting okay. up the inception uh machine right and then every time rebecca ferguson uh was singing i'm thinking okay well this is greatest showman yeah jacqueline rebecca ferguson so there's that um obviously blade runner with kind of the mood and this and the um the tone of the film so i didn't get a whole lot of originality out of it um and that was a little like obviously Uh, stories pull inspiration from other places and and, you know that happens um but it was just so strong in this and he kept repeating those lines and all i kept thinking is leonardo dicaprio and then every time they were together i'm like oh these are just like deleted scenes from the greatest showman right so so i don't know like it it's i could have used a little bit more originality and maybe maybe about 20 minutes less on the runtime.
1: I did think like we spent a little too much time, maybe towards the beginning, setting up these relationships. Like maybe there could have been (laughs) just a little bit more plot momentum, like dragging that forward. I wanted to see more of like Tandy Newton's like past and have some idea of who she really was in the past. Mm -hmm. I think we get a glimpse of it and then we get some idea that she does have a successful future. And I, I really do like the idea that he eventually just like gives in he's like yeah i I, you need to have a future you need to do something else with yourself you know like i've fucked myself beyond all repair at this point (laughs) (laughs) you know like you can you have you have a lot of skill and you can do you know more with yourself even though you're so old at this point yeah I, i i i also felt like I felt like the gender dynamics weren't so harsh that I couldn't root for Jackman on a level two, because Mm I like, even though they all, they show him being like a little bit sketchy, obviously he's Mm -hmm. running one of these weird dream tanks, you know, Mm -hmm. in a, in kind of a low, like, budget way like he, he doesn't work for a hospital the police use him because he's like so so outside <laughs> of the medical community or whatever that they can just do it for cheap. Uh, yeah like uh they don't but they don't really show him like being incredibly like mean spirited or like absurdly uh I don't want to use the R word, but you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like w- when when he kind of got like some form of a happy ending. I didn't necessarily feel awful about that. And, but but yeah, like I I do agree with you. Like maybe, Maybe it did feel like a bunch of composite parts put together. Overall, I was pretty entertained. I'm a sucker for like both of the things this movie is wholeheartedly going for. So I'm willing to admit that I have a little bit of bias. Yeah, of course.
0: <laughs> you know what I so the phrase that I that I say now is everything is for someone. Great. Right? So yeah. <laughs> so it may not have been my I, I I probably won't watch it again. Um, And I I spent a lot of time really wishing that there was a bigger twist. At the end, something a twist that actually had more to do with the genre that it's in, you know, and the and the um, plot devices that it uses. Um, in this particular case, being a tank that can go back in memories, like you know, yeah. there, there's a lot of ways that you can play with that concept um, in, in a kind of mind-bending way. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I, so I would have I would have liked a more creative use of the plot devices that it that it employs to set the, to to create the setting here, um, instead of just using it as as uh, the environment and and you know plot devices to move the for, the story forward, but plot devices to um, to alter how I'm thinking about the story or how we're perceiving the story.
1: Um, I guess we should like look at like take a small look at this on a production level because when you think about what much of actually cost to make this movie compared to like a higher budget movie that would mm-hmm. be doing the same thing, you know, it it's really kind of ingenious that they're basically just using it for you know setting and <laughs> you know <laughs> a certain amount of plot devices because Hollywood productions are just a pain in the ass, like period. And when you have I like think-
0: yeah it, any movie production is a pain in the ass. Yeah. I've talked to plenty of indie filmmakers who will expl- who will very quickly express how much how, how how um how difficult the the job is but uh, yeah. you know someone's got to do like, it. Right?
1: Well, when I listen to people talk about trying to make movies sometimes i'm amazed movies even get made absolutely and like, <laughs> and like uh, this movie it feels like a movie that was specifically made to like go up to a hollywood executive and be like look here you know i got i got hugh jackman for this thing i got tandy newton for this thing we can do this thing mm-hmm. for like five million dollars it won't cost us hardly anything you know like oh, no it,
0: this 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 movie was expensive
1: it's just I, it i'm out. sure it was expensive but at the same time it probably didn't cost the way other films cost you know what i'm well, saying it,
0: according to according to the google um it looks like it was between 54 and 68 million um, oh shit okay yeah.
1: i I really undervalued that. I'm sorry, Hugh Jackman and Tandy Newton. <laughs> well, You're they're... worth more than five million dollars. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs>
0: but you know what's interesting, and this actually could probably open up a whole conversation about the industry, is that it looks like the box office brought in so far about 10 million, $11 dollars, million, which could call into question the the stability of the of the blockbuster release model you know yeah. so um reminiscence uh obviously went to theaters but was also available or is also available at this point on HBO Max and so you look at numbers like this and you think well what is the when you add in you know subscription as a factor taken away from box office what is the measurement for success um when the numbers don't actually like reflect either viewership or actual income of the movie um like, yeah. I think there's a, there's a whole discussion to be had about that, um, which I'm pretty sure the industry is going to do this year with, you know, Disney Plus doing their releases on on Disney Plus, both free and premium access with HBO Max having um, uh, having uh, Warner Brothers movies. Um, yeah. And with, you know, there, there's, there's a, a few streaming services that are doing uh, direct to uh, a day and date release on streaming. So yeah there's it'll be interesting to see how all that unfolds and plays out
1: yeah yeah um yeah um i've been kind of wondering like what's actually impacting theaters more more covid or or just let people don't feel the need to go to theaters you know let me tell
0: like, you something if people because i don't know have you been to a theater recently
1: i haven't because of covid okay. i just say uh, well, stay away for the time being
0: I will tell you, um, when people want to go to the movies, they're going to go to the movies. I was so after um, here in Washington, the restrictions for limited capacity in theaters lifted at the end of June. Um, And, you know, the 50 percent capacity as a consumer was very nice. Um, You know, I have to sit two feet, two seats away from you. So that's nice. Um, You know, theaters are less crowded um, So it's not as much distraction happening Not as many people crawling over you to get out of the aisle Or whatever The 50% capacity as a consumer was wonderful So it was, of course, to my dismay When I go to Black Widow Which came out 4th of July weekend And the theater is packed um, Because the restriction I lifted And they could fill the theater up 100% So the theater is packed I actually had to sit next to someone and you know people crawling over and and more noises in the in the uh, auditorium and stuff um obviously that's that's the theater experience we know and are used to we're i I was just a little spoiled
1: (laughs) yeah i uh, I wanted to get i wanted to get like a whole theater to myself for a day for a hundred dollars uh i never got around to doing that but it sounded so awesome it's a great idea. Get four friends to help you pitch in. It's 20 bucks each. <laughs> no, I'll just, uh, I'll just pay for it by myself and get a there good you date. Go. You know, that, that sounds more fun to me. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, funny. I've, I've never had a date in like an empty theater. I always thought that'd be a perfect date. Uh, I'd be so amazing. That this, would be. <laughs> that's that's another thing I miss, like a really good sound system. Though yeah. I had to start wearing earplugs when I go to the movies because uh, the dynamics of some of these movies, like <laughs> sometimes, was, so, so sound design
0: is a very important component of um, of movies. Actually, I did an interview with the sound designers for the film um, for the film. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on this film name? Um, no blanking on oh, my podcast yes. no I know ah, no um, I, I did an interview with the sound designers For the film Coming Home in the Dark, which you probably haven't heard about yet But you probably will I'm afraid um, It's uh, it's a really, really great Yes, no, but it's a really good horror film And I'm pretty confident it's going to make a splash Whenever it does hit uh, streaming or wherever it's going to go Yay. But uh, yeah, I got to talk with them About the sound design for that film and um, And it's just such an Intricate art and such a underappreciated component of films. Right. Yeah. But we have to separate the difference between really great sound design, um, enhancing a film and just turning up the volume. Totally. <laughs> which I think is what, a, oh. which I think is a lot of, uh, or what many theaters do to make it seem like it's a, a better experience. They just turn up the volume. It's like, actually you're not doing the movie any service um, yeah. by over like over, um exposing how loud it is and i think the biggest perpetrator of this uh, of this crime is probably like horror films when yeah. whatever's happening on screen isn't scary enough to scare you by itself so they have to like do this like big blaring you know uh music tone in order to get you to jump and it's not because i was scared it's because ouch that that was loud that hurt yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes um i don't i don't know if i really want to go see marvel movies in a theater anymore because they seem to have a little too much fun with the dynamics like the loudness dynamics um you know and it's funny like i haven't seen Tenet yet still because i've just had other uh-huh. things i've been going through but people tell me this saying like the way the way the like sound design is it's pure confusion <laughs> if you're just going through it one time
0: Tenet was an interesting one. So Tenet came out in the middle, like in the middle, middle of the pandemic where things were still shut down and everyone's still really concerned about how the pandemic's going to play out. So theaters up here in Washington opened for like a month and a half, two months, something like that. A very short window um, for Tenet to come out. And I had to drive four hours to get to an IMAX screening of Tenet. Um. Yeah. Hashtag no regrets. Um, <laughs> was worth every uh, every bit of effort it took to get down there. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, with an
1: IMAX. Oh, god. That'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah, because there was,
0: at that point there was literally only one IMAX theater in all of all of Washington State. Um, that was open. Uh, and I was just going to go see Tenant in IMAX. That yeah. was that's what was going to happen if I'm going right. So uh, yeah. So. I actually did not have that big of a problem with the audio antenna. Um, And I'm not entirely sure if maybe it was the IMAX uh, format or the IMAX experience that made the sound not as as garbled as people were saying, because some people um, like my brother, he was saying like, he couldn't hear anything. Like everything was muffled and it was a strain to hear. And I'm like, um no because i remember seeing the preview where where they had the masks and the the whole yeah. auditorium scene and i remember seeing that preview <laughs> and i'm like nolan <laughs> come on you gotta clear that up dude <laughs> <laughs> And so for me, anything other than that was fine for me. <laughs> and so yeah. um, so I, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, and I had a fantastic tenant experience. I actually I really like that movie a lot. I like what Nolan did with it. I think there are some cheesy parts. There's a few things that I called out like as I'm watching the movie um, where because it works with time going forward and backwards. And there are some parts yeah. that's like, oh, well, that's obviously going to come back up or oh that was obviously placed there for something that they're gonna uh allude yeah. to later on but uh yeah watch it, a movie
1: dude. <laughs> you know like how hard could you be on it it's a movie <laughs> i know i know it is a movie this is true hey man uh you got anything you want to promote in particular before we get off here
0: yeah um lots uh so um, everything fantasia, everything, um, everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay let me think so i just uh um wrapped up fantasia coverage i covered fantasia film festival um and so me and another writer have content on films that screened at fantasia um on our website or sorry on my website movies for real.net um for real spelled f-o-r-r-e-e-l um so you can find fantasia content there next week um is the toronto international film festival and i will be publishing a bunch of content on that in fact tomorrow um i will be interviewing the director and a couple actors from the uh the tiff selected film you are not my mother it's a it's an irish folklore horror thriller uh movie and it's Um, I'm looking I'm looking forward to that conversation. And so uh, I get to uh, have that discussion with them tomorrow and have that published during the uh, during the festival. Um, I I actually just recently did a
1: movie at first.
0: You are not. (laughs) no, no, no. no. Completely different. irish folklore probably the exact like other end of the spectrum uh,
1: hey come on tyler perry has lovely irish folklore you know medea no, you're not my mother you know it was, it was fun it was sassy
0: is is, is does he actually have a, a a production called you're not my mother i don't my know fucking God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> i know right that's uh, that's what i was gonna say like i know i know many tyler perry productions i haven't heard of that one yet yeah um, i know but too anyway tyler uh, perry
1: productions
0: you know i tyler perry has his brand of comedy and there are it, i'm in the mood for it i can get down it, with it he has talent
1: <laughs> and uh he's welcome to do whatever he wishes in a free country as far as i'm concerned
0: yeah and also make a whole lot of money off of it so uh yeah you know.
1: yeah i just uh, i feel weird about him making so much money off of the dm movies <laughs> but he, he makes money off he of does so. yeah i have does.
0: donated to that fund so <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm sorry um, if i'm digressing forgive me
0: no no no. it's okay on the subject of comedies uh i actually did a interview uh last week with the writer of the um drama comedy film together uh, which stars James McAvoy and Sharon Oh Godorn Godorn I can't remember her last name anyway. Um, it's it's pretty much a two person uh film uh where they are both in a relationship that they really don't want to be in, and so they tell you the audience all about how. Uh, how that's going for them, uh, and so it's a very stage play kind of movie, yeah. which is very unique for the wa- the watching experience, and also makes for a really great topic of discussion when you're talking to the writer of such film. Totally. So um, that interview is currently on my website as as well. Um, and then after the Toronto Film Festival, I will be covering the Vancouver International Film Festival. I'm actually planning on attending that one in person right across the border. So um, I am, uh, so I'm excited for that um, and to see what they have playing there. Um, but ultimately, so there's a there's a lot going on. Uh, if you want to, if you care about following any of it, you can um, find the content on moviesforreal.net. You can also follow for real movie news and interviews on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at movies for real. Um, and of course, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram. I always like coming across new followers and cool people. Um, so you can find me at being
1: hey thomas it's a pleasure <laughs> to have you on for a live stream we've uh we've done some yeah. recording before but technical difficulties have kept me from putting those out and i i really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me uh you know it's, no, uh, it's of real, course yeah hey it's a real honor having you on here i love hearing about what's going on in your life you know you got <laughs> you're doing really well <laughs> as a film critic you know uh, it's yeah it's it's really impressive thomas
0: well, thank you very much. I really do appreciate that. And I appreciate this. This was a lot of fun as well. Um, we'll have to do this again sometime soon. But uh, yeah, always enjoy conversations with you, man.
1: Hey, it's yeah, it's a pleasure. Hey, you have a great night. I have to get to work. <laughs> but, yes, of course. Of course. Yes, it was we'll a pleasure, do this again soon. See All you right, soon. guys.
0: Take care. We'll see you later.